Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast. A healthy entrepreneur is someone who achieves business success whilst prioritising their physical and mental well-being. In other words, they understand the healthy hustle. They possess the ability to effectively manage their business operations, make strategic decisions and nurture their personal health and brand for sustainable growth and long-term success. Today's guest is Jasmine Navarro, an award-winning family and executive well-being expert. Jasmine has a ton of experience helping people grow in confidence, learn the art of self-respect whilst avoiding negative comparisons in their life. Jasmine's story is one of tragedy and resilience, which led her towards her passion of helping others avoid pitfalls and supercharge their lives. Jasmine, thank you for joining me. Hi, Freddie. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great. I'm really looking forward to it. I really want to jump in with the first question. Really, I just want to know your story. Obviously, we've just heard the intro and a lot of people are going to find you online after this. But I want to jump in and just say, you know, what is your story? What has led you to this point to become a sort of family and uh, life slash confidence coach? Thanks, Freddie. So I guess it started when I was 18 when I went I experienced some traumatic grief, um, which led me to want to leave the UK and the way that I thought I could do that best was um, train as a teacher. I love traveling as well. So train as a teacher. And that led me to leave the UK and teach and work in 11 countries, working with primary, secondary and adults. And then fast forward 17 years, I really wanted to change my career. So I got introduced to co-active coaching where I was, taught to you know work on myself and this was so transformative for me it was unbelievable so when I finished that, I decided that I wanted to certify and work with other people helping them find their core confidence become aware conscious and all of those things so that's in a nutshell what led me to helping teenagers and parents now so we literally had and experience of grief, which led you to go. There's something. There's somewhere else I want to be right now. That's the that's the thought of you, right? You wanted to just literally step away, remove yourself from the situation. Yeah, I, I just, I, I didn't. I felt so alone anyway, and I just thought being in this situation, nobody could really understand me. I felt nobody was acknowledging anything, my pain, and I just thought. I would rather be in a different place because this is not a healthy situation for me. That's just how I felt. I don't know if it was true or not, but I just thought I need to leave. Maybe it was running away from my emotions. That's what some people say, but I think you can't run away from your emotions. So <laughs> I don't think it was because of that. I knew that I could be doing better somewhere else. And I think, you know, you touch on that. So many people, whether it's, you know, um, Metaphorically or physically, so many people away from their own group, they, they remove themselves rather than, I don't know what the, maybe the solution would be, the, the best thing is it's personal, right? But to to take yourself away is something that everyone does. Everyone sort of becomes detached as they can from a difficult situation. And so that led you into, where was the first place you went to? Was it, it was to teaching straight away? Yeah, Turkey was the first place. Turkey, it was okay. on the training course, and on you- the training course. I met Turkish people and they said, come to Turkey. Oh, I see. Okay. 
Yeah. That's when it's happening. Yeah. None of it was planned. Yeah. So I went to Turkey first and yeah, that was quite challenging for me being on my own, a new country and all of that. And how old were you when you did that? Oh, you're going to show my age now, Freddie. Um, how old was I? 23 or 22. Early 20s. Early 20s. And you're already, you're already a teacher. Yes. And you decided to, to remove yourself and go to another country. So you've got language barrier, cultural shock. And that's when you started to then travel around a bit, right? So can you talk a bit about how that sort of led you on your journey? I know you went to a lot of countries over the next several yeah. years. Yeah, so in yeah. Turkey, um, I think because I put myself in a different situation, obviously I was meeting different people, having real conversations with them. And I just started realising lots of things. So really, for me, leaving the UK was definitely the right move because, you know, like you said, when you put yourself in a different situation, you have a new yeah. perspective, don't you? And I needed that. Um, so I started... Um, realizing things about myself and the grief and all of that but originally the reason I wanted to become a teacher was actually to work in Switzerland that was the dream but I went to Turkey first of all because I had the opportunity um, so I was in Turkey I was having an amazing time but the Switzerland dream was still there so I started after about 18 months I started applying for jobs in Switzerland and then I I eventually got one and then I, I went to Switzerland and it was there that I started to realize that everybody was speaking so many languages and that's when I thought I need to learn Spanish so after being in Switzerland for about a year I wasn't there that long after all of that I wasn't even there that long um I decided to go to Costa Rica because my dad was from Venezuela so I thought I can start with Costa Rica so I got a job teaching teaching there and I made it my mission to learn Spanish which I did I was there for like three years longer than I expected actually and then um then what happened and then I thought you know I want to have a career out of teaching more of a career out of teaching so then I, I got a job in Morocco wow. um so I went to Morocco yeah and but during that time just before I went to Morocco I found out that my my real dad had died um but I was already like on my way to Morocco so I thought I should just go so I went but I probably wasn't in the right mindset at all dealing with that um anyway so I went to Morocco so that was quite a challenging time probably because of what was happening with me personally Stayed there for a year and then I thought I want to do some more training. So I got offered a, a, a position in Madrid to do some training and I had a job as well. So I thought, okay, this is good. So I went to Spain for a year and then and then I was offered another position after that year in Tunisia. Um, so I went to Tunisia. <laughs> For 18 months and just thinking about it now I'm just like um and then I'm just going through this quite fast yeah and then I went and then I and I've always wanted to go to Saudi there an opportunity came up okay. in Saudi after Tunisia I went to Saudi 
And bearing in mind, I was teaching at um, an organization where they they ex they like you to travel. So you work with them for one year, two years, and they expect you to move on. So mm -hmm. that's how it sort of I didn't stay in these places for long. But to be honest, I never planned to stay anywhere for long, actually. I was only going, like, for example, Costa Rica. I had my mission of learning Spanish. Every country, there was a mission to do something. Um, and then, yeah, Saudi, and then UAE. Okay, it doesn't have 11 countries, but I've missed out a few, like US and Venezuela and UK. I missed out those, but they were part of it as well. Well, it's really interesting to hear because, you know, it's quite a relationship with confidence, isn't it? You know, you went through the path of being, wanting to be a teacher, wanting to uh, having the confidence to move to all those countries whilst dealing with what is your relationship with confidence like throughout that and also now? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Thanks. Um, okay, let me, yeah, what is my relationship with confidence? Well, I think, I don't know if it was confident, but it is confident, bravery. I think, yeah, I had a brave, I was, I'm brave. I feel like I'm really, I am a brave person anyway. But I think it depends, you know, what your choices are doesn't it for me it was always if i don't i have to go there because i need to achieve this like i wanted to learn spanish and i wanted to learn about the latin culture so i have to go to costa rica there's not actually another option at the moment so i have to just do it you know for me i i probably felt like i didn't have that many options so even though at the same time there's so many options so it's quite contradictory as well but i just feel like when you want to do something you'll do it but i had the self-confidence but i didn't have the self-esteem so i guess that's interesting yeah so i was confident confident i was doing my job well but deep down the relationship with myself wasn't a positive one so yeah okay so that's a really interesting point so self-confidence versus self-esteem there's a, there's a difference in that so you know that your skills are there and to be able to do the right thing. And people can relate to this when they're listening, right? Because as an entrepreneur, it's a constant battle with, I can do this. I don't know if I can quite do that. And I, I don't believe myself. It's really, there's a lot in there about imposter syndrome, right? And uh, negative self-talk. So how, yes. do you, how do you overcome that? How do you build up your self-esteem without losing that sort of bravado that you need as, as an entrepreneur or as, you know, a teacher, someone that's got a sugar in how do you how do you build up that self esteem alongside or to match the self confidence? Well, for a long time, I didn't have the self esteem. I had the self confidence, but I didn't have the self esteem, which meant I was doing well in my work, but I wasn't happy with myself. Okay. And when you're not happy with yourself, then you know nothing really works. And I think that's why I taught for such a long time because I I didn't see a way out, but I wasn't feeling happy and empowered and all of that. So for me, uh, to have that self-esteem, I think it's really about working on yourself and really, really looking within and facing things that you're really scared of. So, for example, everybody would say I was brave, but at the same time, I felt such I felt I didn't feel like I was brave at all because I wasn't facing what was going on inside of me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So going to the other side of the world by myself was actually much less scary than 
um, going in and facing maybe my grief at the time. So it's all perspective, isn't it? So I think self-esteem is about when you face yourself. And I think that's much harder than going to any country. I know what you mean. And, and I guess that self-esteem and what you're talking about there, that looking within and finding that passion is ultimately, my, my belief is that's how you, sort of that's how you understand what's, what's going to get happiness. Because I think that happiness is a destination, you know, but joy is enjoying the process of getting to happiness. So in relation to what you're talking about, would you, do you agree or do you think that, you know, happiness is something that you can achieve from looking with with it and finance us in building that confidence is it, you know you can you can create yeah interesting question i think when you work on yourself and for me in my case it was about processing my grief then i think when you process whatever you're carrying you're carrying something like your emotional well-being basically when you work on your emotional well-being i think then that's well that's what's given me peace in myself because maybe i was blaming myself or i have these limiting beliefs or i'm not worth it i don't deserve that all of those things but they were all wrapped up in emotions and once i realized i dug deep and i processed those emotions and, and asked myself some questions powerful questions then i made peace with myself and then and now i have peace with myself i feel i feel um well i feel at peace I mean, happy, but who knows what is happiness? Does happiness last and all of those things? But I mean, I feel that peace with myself and clarity and know that I do deserve these things. And I have more space in my head as well to actually think about things and know that, you know, I don't have to do a job that I don't want to do. So I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, it definitely. And it touches on point of grief again which i think is is really important to keep going back to because everyone goes through grief in their life it's, it's going to happen you know to all of us if it hasn't happened in the past if you could go back now or you know touch this grief again in your life yeah. how would you deal with it differently now knowing what you know i know that's such a good question Freddie, and i don't even know if i had the answer because you know like when i lost my stepdad when I was 18, it was also shock, trauma and grief. But, you know, 10 years later, I lost my uh, real dad. Um, and of course, I was, you know, crying and I was really sad and it was really difficult. And it was so different from when I was 18. So I think depending on your life experience, it's different anyway. I think if you can manage to get to be... I don't know, in your 20s or 30s, I think, well, for me, it was easier um, because I'd already worked on myself. I was feeling much better in myself. So the life experience. But yeah, sorry, to answer your question, what would what would I do? What would I have done differently? Sorry, was that your question? What would you do differently now if, if you experience grief? I'm going to explain to someone else how they can deal with grief that they're going through. I don't know, because if it was a traumatic grief, like a shock, um, I think what I would, would I've loved to have done is to speak about how I was really feeling. Like I did not have the courage. Everybody would say, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? 
And I, I had nothing to say, but then maybe that was part of the shock as well. But deep down, I was thinking, my dad's died, but nobody would say it out loud. So I thought, I can't say this. So if I had said that out loud, maybe I would have felt relief and that would have helped me overcome that faster. I don't know, because when you're in that, because it was such a shock, how can you prepare for that? I've asked myself that so many times, but maybe communication in the family, talking, how you feel. Um, I don't have the answers, Freddie. It's the, the difficult questions I know. And actually, I want to actually get your opinion on this. So I've just, uh, yeah. today, I've done some, uh, I've done a, an article for Golf News about white lighting. So white lighting where, whereby when someone is being vulnerable, you know, they're, they're an opinion, they're going through problems and issues, and they're talking to someone and that person, rather than listen, listen to them, just glosses over and gives advice. And it's that premature advice without listening. I think it's actually really interesting. I haven't heard it be labeled before, but we're saying that we speak to our members about a lot and people that we know. It's so easy to just give advice without understanding. And actually, it's really interesting to hear what you're saying there, because you didn't communicate through the grief, but I'm sure people will have seen just give you advice. Right? They're glossing over your issues. Because it's, it's vulnerable, it's difficult, and they'll just give you advice on, you know, when my dad died, I did this and this helped. Oh. And advice is so, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't always help. I think you've got to wait for someone to ask for advice. And if they're in a vulnerable situation, encourage them to talk to help them through. So I don't know if that's your opinion or if that would have helped. 100%, definitely. I think if people had have had the courage, because maybe, who knows why nobody asked me those questions, but I think... Yeah, would have been nice, would have been beneficial if somebody would have acknowledged, oh, I see that you're feeling that because of this. Of course you're feeling like like that. That would have been amazing, the emotional validation. And then I would have opened up and thought, oh, I can actually talk about this. And then if they'd have asked me more questions, I probably would have, I would have loved that probably. But I felt like it was a taboo topic. Nobody can talk about it. Nobody even... People did give me advice, but they didn't talk about it. They'd be like, oh, you'll be okay. I can't even remember, actually. I can't even remember. I totally agree. I think advice, like, I mean, how can we give people advice? Because we're living such different lives, aren't we? Like, you can't give people advice. I think you've got to ask questions. Let them figure it out themselves. But yeah. I think we're programmed to just jump in and offer something. Because then we want it to be about us, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? A lot of it is self-validation and people being like, I know the answer to this, rather than actually trying to help and listen. Um, and maybe, you know, that some, some situations that does help if someone's going through an entrepreneurial issue, which is a very basic one for a, a great entrepreneur, maybe they should help. But equally, in other situations, it's definitely better to almost coach, but I think just listen. You can't really explain it better than just listen and try and try and inject some positivity where possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've moved the conversation ever so slightly um, onto my next question was going to be when I've heard you talk before and you're talking about, you know, jumping from uh, country to country, it re resonates with me because I can always understand that people think, and I, I'm the same, that the grass is always going to be greener, right? So you're always looking for that next thing. So how do you find that, you know, you stop comparing yourself to other people or to other places and just sort of find happiness within yourself well yeah that's such a good question and you know I think there was 
an element of that every time I went to a new country, even though I sort of had a mission in every country, but also deep down somewhere inside of me, every time I went to a new country, secretly, I think I did feel this could be the country that changes everything or maybe this could be the country that makes me happy or I don't know I think those things thoughts were going on subconsciously but I still had my logical mission to accomplish so but deep down I was thinking that but yeah it wasn't until you know I really stopped actually and started working on myself but also you can call it intuition as well can't you because when I came to Dubai eight years ago I knew that I was going to stay here so, you know, is that intuition? I think intuition does play a big part in all of this, actually. So when I came here, I don't know if it was the timing, the country or whatever it was, but I knew this was the place and I wouldn't be searching for a while. So, and ironically, that this is where I found coaching and where I learned to work on myself and to face those fears, grief, emotions, everything. Mm-hmm. And I think only then when I could really process all of that, then I realized, you know, it's about being happy with who you are, not the place. I completely agree. And I really like that you set missions in each place because, <laughs> you know, those those missions or those wins or those small objectives, small or big objectives, however big they may be, I, I find those really important in driving yourself forward. Is that something you, you know, you outwardly talk to people about setting small goals and achieving objectives? Is that something that helps you in your life now? Oh, a million percent, Freddie. A thousand, billion, million percent. Oh, yeah. It's always about taking action. I mean, you know, sitting down with myself or with a coach or and figuring out what do I want to achieve and then setting those small actions to achieve those small goals, big goals, or whatever they are. Yeah, I think it gives me purpose. Yeah, I, I have to have those actions. But I think you can get carried away and have too many actions. And I have done that, especially since working for myself. You know, the, the actions, there's so many. You can get carried away and forget about your well-being. So you do have to have the balance. But I think you learn that through making mistakes and not having the balance don't you well I have that's how I've learned <laughs> yeah messing up yeah. many times yeah totally I think I'm you know I'm really swaying away from to-do lists now because we we do a lot of planning and obviously with our uh, some of the members we talk about uh, you know moonshot planning 10 years then break it down to five three one even three months oh so I like that I think that's really clever because then you can you know if you if you're looking at I want to make a million pounds a year or a month by, in 10 years time, that's a, that's a ridiculous goal to be like, right, what can I do today to start with that? You know, what, what, what can I do? But if you say, okay, so in a year I want to be on this, three months from now I'm on, on this, what are the steps now I can take? So it's, it's breaking down that big staircase that you've had to build by doing your 10 year goal into tiny steps. And that completely makes sense. But what I don't like at the moment, I'm going backwards and forwards is, the micro objectives of to-do lists, because I just get to-do list blindness, to be honest. You know, you look at your to-do list and go, there's way too much on there. I'm not going to achieve it. And then the next day they roll over and you and you absolutely can't do it. So I completely agree that setting goals is super important, but I like that you're talking about 
relevance i guess isn't it and, and actually do you need that many are they actually going to be done is it actually a to-do list yeah. thing or is it that you should just crack on with i think that's really important and i think that for me yeah comes into my own confidence you know i'm, I'm trying to keep really with the confidence topic here because i know you know you know you're such an expert in the topic and <laughs> i think it's like you need to because i think confidence for me compounds is that something that you see when you work with people and in your day-to-day -day work well i think definitely and taking the actions of course, when you, it's like, you know, when you tell yourself you're going to do something and you do it, that helps you trust yourself and feel more confident in what you're going to do. So it's all connected, isn't it? And I think, you know, I remember, you know, when you hear, sometimes you hear people say, oh, I'm, before I do that, I just want to feel motivated or whatever. But it's like, no, 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 doesn't matter how you're feeling, just do it. Then you'll feel motivated. So that taking action is, for me, like if I'm having a, for example, if I'm having a really low day and I'm feeling like everything's hopeless, da da da, you know, I still get those days. Then mm -hmm. what I will do is I will just go to the extreme and I will just do so many things. Like I'll be like, right, okay, I need to achieve that. Okay, what's the most I can do today to do that? And then I will do it. Like it just goes a bit crazy, but that's what gets me out of that state. <laughs> Taking ah, okay. that action. Yeah. So you almost overwork or outwork the self-doubt. Yes, yeah. And it's not always self-doubt. It might just be feeling um hopeless. I don't know. Maybe that is connected to self-doubt. Or you know, when you feel like something's not working, or instead of just dwelling in that, which would make me feel worse, I just take that action. I'm like, this is I need to take the action now. But I take mm. a lot of action. And really, that's what that's... helps me. It's all what motivates me. <laughs> yeah. Try yeah. to use it as a motivator. I like it. You get a lot more done. So actually a down day becomes a productive day. And by the evening, you're <laughs> yeah. happy. Perfect. Um, Jasmine, I want to touch on, you know, you do a lot of work. And you're very well known for working with uh, young people and families. And I want to sort of bring it around to this. As, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs out there who are, who are young. But this will resonate with, with all entrepreneurs listening to, uh, to this. So what are some of the pitfalls that younger people fall into when you're touching on, on the subjects that you coach on? So, you know, confidence and um, positivity. What, where are the pitfalls that they're commonly falling into? Well, I think a lot of problems young people come to me with are trying to be perfect, the perfectionism. Um, so really high expectations but really 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 high expectations that nobody can sort of achieve um and then of course that makes them feel really bad about themselves seeking external validation i guess mm. maybe with social media or from their friends so it's kind of like what i was doing you know try to seek seeking happiness from different countries but yeah it's seeking validation from elsewhere um and of course anxiety, stress, and all of those emotional, um, dealing with emotional, uh, dealing with their emotions, sorry. Um, they're the most common thing. Loneliness as well um, can be a massive barrier. Um, so I think they're the most common challenges that young people come to me with. And to be honest, adults as well. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask, my next question was going to be about um why like why do you think this is happening but you've touched there on social media do you think that's a predominant factor is 
literally comparison on social media of that idealistic life? I don't. It's weird because I don't think it is all social media because I because I'm thinking about my experience again. You know, there mm. wasn't social media when I was growing up, and I still felt absolutely horrendous. I was lonely. All of those things. I didn't know how to manage my emotions. I think when you have that healthy mindset and you go on social media, you're going to approach it differently. But of course, I don't know. Like for example, if, when I was 18, if I went on social media then, I don't know what would have happened. That could have been, you know, the final straw if I'd seen something that, who knows? So I think it's about your mindset, isn't it? I think we can't blame social media too much. I think if you're feeling healthy and you're, you have high self-esteem, you're feeling good about yourself, you go on social media and you'll search for things, you'll look at things and you'll interpret it in a different way. But if you're feeling really low about yourself, then it's going to be another experience. So but of course, the thing about social media that I think can be damaging is if you're isolating yourself, if you're choosing to be on social media rather than going out with your friends or socializing, communicating, you know, so, but then people communicate on social media as well. So it's a minefield social media, but I don't think it's the biggest problem. No. That's interesting. Okay. So how important would you say it is to have a supportive family or community around you joining something where there's people that can just hold you up, not necessarily, you know, that you've got a certain issue, but just having people around you that understand you and can support you if and when needed. Yeah, I think that's really, really, really important. So the work that you do, I think it's just amazing. I think community, having the right people around us is absolutely everything because, and it has to be the right people because you can be Mm. surrounded by people, but maybe they're not your people. You still feel really alone. So the trick is being with people who you can really open up to about who, and be yourself. Like if you're with people and you can't be yourself, then you may, you may as well be alone, quite honestly. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's about choosing the right, having the right people around you, not just people, the right people, because you can get into that. You can, if you're feeling lonely, you can just maybe put yourself with anybody, but mm. actually that can be, you can feel more lonely. So yeah, it's the right people right yeah and and does that extend to sort of families if you've got you know young people that are struggling with with self-development with confidence with grief how can a family aid each other in that scenario i know it's it's difficult because i think especially for example if parents don't know how to effectively communicate and talk about uncomfortable topics which I think is needed to to create that safe space and all of that so I think it's about being educated and seeking the training that you need I I know because you know you can't just expect you know like my mum she didn't know how to approach difficult subjects with me and that's not her fault so but I think now, now there is informa- there's enough information out there, you know, to help you manage those difficult topics. I think now there's just, we're overwhelmed with information, aren't we? So I think the, the information is there. So I think, yeah, I've forgotten the first bit of your question, Freddie. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It actually brings me on to something I okay. saw yesterday. Um, yesterday I saw a video about how people in their 20s and Actually, people in their twenties, thirties, whatever, they wish they were taught about business, tax, mortgages, you know, confidence, self development in schools. 
And then it sort of jumps to a clip of uh, what would actually happen if that was a lesson in school. Like, what about if in school you actually were going to learn about the, the ins and outs of like proper business or um, tax or self-development? You, you'd be asleep or you'd moan as like a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old. You don't want to actually listen about that. So in your mid 20s, when you realize you would like to have known it, that you say, oh, who can I blame? And why wasn't it taught in my school? So I know this. So I guess the question is, how can we mitigate that? Because, you know, we're talking about finding the information to get past these hurdles in life. I named a few there, but the ones I'm talking about really is something to do with self-confidence and self-development, that kind of thing. How can we mitigate that so that there is no what if moment? What if someone had taught me that? What if that had been part of the curriculum as a young person? How can we inspire people to self-develop and build their self-esteem and self-confidence from an earlier age? Or is that just because we're both from the UK and that's how our system works? But it's not the same everywhere. No, that's a really interesting question, Freddie. I think... It's about, I think it all comes down to, you know, learning to accept who you really, who you really are and being true to yourself. And of course, that all comes back to self-awareness. And of course, we all have some self-awareness, but I mean, really, really digging deep and seeing what's there. And being conscious of our thoughts and because I think a lot of the problems, you know, with young people, adults who I work with, it's it's how they are treating themselves. And, you know, if you're not being kind to yourself, if you're being really hard on yourself, if you're doing all these things to yourself, which, of course, is going to act as a block to lots of different learnings. But also when you don't have that healthy relationship with yourself, you're inviting other people to have that on a healthy relationship with you you know so you're not kind to yourself so probably other people won't be if you're not respecting yourself other people are not going to respect you so it, for me it all comes back to being responsible for your own for your own well-being emotional well-being first I think you know looking after yourself your mind and your body eating well sleeping um, exercising journaling like spending all of this time to work on yourself I think every problem I feel like we have it always comes back to what do I need to do like do I need to study do I need to face a fear here do I need to man uh, process an emotion like what what do I need to do in this situation so I think if we can just so it's awareness I think the more aware we are and then we and then we realize in that awareness, you know, we don't need to be perfect. Um, we can we need to make mistakes to grow. Um, OK, we, we're not very good at this, but that's OK, because our strength lies here. You know, I'm not the same as that person on social media or my best friend. That's OK. This is me. And this is my my life, my journey. I have this to offer, but it all comes from awareness. So mm. I think we need to take responsibility. I, I really like that. And I think it's too easy to get into that cycle of failure, isn't it? Where you don't yeah. love yourself, you're too busy, but then you're you're being busy on things that don't need to be busy on. You know, you're you're busy <laughs> for you're literally moving forward. Oh, yeah, oh no. Yeah, you're yeah. busy for the sake of it. And I really like what you said about respecting yourself, which I completely agree starts with your emotional and physical health. Because, you know, however you look after yourself is how others will look at you. 
it's part of if you have yes. to put it down to part of your personal brand which helps in so many ways and is maybe perhaps more significant as an entrepreneur that's from my that's my opinion not necessarily true Definitely. but think about how you hold yourself and how you look after yourself and then how yes. you appear online it all resonates to show who you are and what you're about and if you start yeah. losing and wondering oh why are my clients not coming to me as quickly yes. why? you know and, it's, it's interesting and they say don't they your body doesn't lie so True. you can say whatever oh i do this i do that but your whole body like your language how your body is is is, is speaking the whole time so exactly i literally read a study today from university in california about how they really think that we communicate and we all know it's body language but it's something like 55 percent body language and 36 percent is the tone of your voice and actually only seven percent is what you're actually saying and i was thinking yeah. about it it's actually really hard to understand because you do it's obviously the spoken word and then you think of someone who's saying happy things they're saying that they're happy but their body language is very closed and the tone of their voice yeah. is maybe I don't know it's it maybe whisper or it's a, it's it's not normal there's no fluctuation in it and then I'm like oh, actually that's so true it doesn't matter what they're saying you can read everything else and I completely agree that yeah your body doesn't lie your your body language yes. can't how you look after yourself your your hygiene your fitness your yes. mental yes. state it can't it can't be hidden right yeah 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 and that's number 1 isn't it that is number 1 what we put into our body is is number one. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But you know, the more I realise, you know, what yeah, what we put into our body, like what is more important than that? Yeah, and it's interesting because, you, like, you think of it in a, in terms of like a car, for example. There's loads of different types of petrol, for example, that you can use, and the yes. cheapest one, the cheapest one will, will make it go. You'll still go. Oh you my won't God. go as far or as fast, and it's going to hurt the engine over time, and the car won't last as long. Or you could put the really expensive one in that will make it go faster, longer, better for the engine, better for the environment, or obviously that's the medium one. And that is exactly the same as hydration, food, like you say, journaling, working on yourself. And then it works even better than, the, than it does in a car because people can then see what you're putting into yourself because you glow and you, you're more elaborate, yeah. you're more, I don't know, it's just, I think it's so, it's almost too easy to say that you do things. If it was more like a Black Mirror episode where everyone could look into you and see what you're actually doing, yeah, I think you'll be a lot more honest with what they're doing and how they're feeling. Oh, definitely, definitely. There's no and... question in that. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Me too. And I think as well, um, you know, when you're trying to do too much as well, I think that, I think, I can't remember if we already spoke about this, but I think that's, that's obviously dangerous as well. And that's another thing that I've learned from working for myself the less you do actually the more productive you are and of course when you're in that healthy mindset healthy bo body healthy mind and you're relaxed as well not stressed because you can have all those things but still be stressed out so you you need to really manage the stress and i think instead of doing trying to do everything that you need to do don't do everything and basically sorry this is, i'm going about this a long way but you it makes you more creative like the healthier I am, the more creative I am. I completely agree. And I, I really like the terms um, lazy productivity. So we always talk about lazy productivity because there's one thing being productive and creative and trying to do something through discipline and consistency. 
but the best entrepreneurs in the world don't do the basic things through discipline every day. The basic things they're doing, they then use a tool or they outsource a way to get those things done. And then they use their discipline for something else. So you can't outsource a better oh. body, a six pack and a clear mind, but you can outsource that admin that is making you, or is taking you away from spending time on yourself. Yeah. Lazy productivity, I think is really interesting. It's one of those things that we need to get out there a bit more. Yes, totally. I completely agree. I completely agree. So, Jasmine, what's one of the biggest misconceptions that you find when people think about or come to working with you? What's one of the things that they think, you know, I, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe this is not for me, or maybe this is something that I shouldn't be doing. Where actually you believe, or you know, we can believe that's that's wrong, but it's a misconception about maybe that whole industry at the moment in terms of coaching. Well, I definitely think, you know, people don't really know what coaching is a lot of people don't know what coaching is because a lot of the times when I've had conversations with friends or been to networking events and they just assume that they're going to come with me with a come to me with a problem and I'm going to tell them what to do and of course yeah who would want to do that I wouldn't want that you know so yeah so that's that's one assumption they think that I think I know best for them yeah, and of course I don't. I'm just trying to figure out myself. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest misconception that I've come across. But yeah, so I think it's if only they knew it's it's going to be all about them, and we're going to explore them, their way. I, yeah, I, could, I think it's a really interesting. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And what about when you work with like kids and your your workshops for schools? Is there something there that you could think? People aren't quite understanding how powerful this can be. Well, um, I guess it's the same thing because once we've once we've done the workshop, or then they realise, then that's the thing. Talking about it is really difficult. It's like, okay, let's not talk about it. Let me just show you so you can experience it and feel something. And and then they're like, oh, okay. Because what I think is really important about coaching is, you know, we always say at the beginning of every session whatever there's no right or wrong like whatever you say is okay there's no judgment there's no positive or negative feelings so I think just and that helps people relax because they might feel like oh it's like a, a lesson and I'm going to tell them to do something and they could be wrong or something like that once they start relaxing and realizing they can't do anything wrong they let their guard down then they start opening up and then we start actually having a real conversation it's a real conversation it's not just you know we get right down to it um as much as they want to and I'll ask some questions but there's no forcing it's all in their own time so it's really everything depends on them even in a group you know so some people it, open up, you know. interestingly it's the opposite of white lighting that we touched on earlier isn't it it's literally yes, exactly. there's, there's no response until you feel like you have been through your own vulnerability and you've spoken about everything and then a good coach will come in and ex you know talk and ask you questions maybe explain some things in, in terms of what they've heard and then if there is time or if it's appropriate there might be some advice right and that's what I've only used the coach once for maybe two or three sessions and it was unbelievable like I couldn't I can't oh, really believe, I can't believe how much I got out of just a few sessions with a friend who was um you know coming up as as a, as a coach and sort of help them train and I was like this is insane everyone needs to 
to get to a coach. I completely agree. I think it's uh, those misconceptions are definitely misconceptions, right? <laughs> definitely. And, you know, there's so many coaches, you know, you have so many coaches, so you have to you really have to find the right one for you as well. Business coach, yeah. life coach, career coach. I mean, there's so many, so yeah. you need to find the right True. one for you. Exactly. Jasmine, I would love to ask you a couple of questions, continuity questions that we've asked everyone so far. What okay. the first one be? A book recommendation. Can you recommend a book to our listeners? Yeah, I'm going to recommend this one, uh, The Untethered Soul. Okay, nice. And I can't remember the author. It's Michael somebody. Michael somebody, no problem. Yeah, but The Untethered Soul, if you find that, that if you, yeah, I think... I mean, I read this. Well, actually, I didn't read it. I, I listened to the audio. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, during COVID, and it blew my mind. Actually, yeah, I'll just say that <laughs> it blew my mind. That definitely one for the list. And then the second question I've got for you is: How would you spend a full free day? Full free day. Um, depending if I wanted company or not. Yeah, so if I if I didn't want company, I would literally I would get up. Do you want to know like the whole thing? Yeah, everything. And also there's no budget. You can you you're whenever in time, you do what you want. Oh, okay. Actually, I'm not even thinking about um anything expensive anyway. Um, oh cool. There you go. Yeah. What um what I do, this is what I do. If I want okay, if I'm on my own, I want to be on my own, it's a day for me. I'll wake up, as I normally do, go to the gym. Um, do I have a journal, so I write down however I'm feeling, like a few seconds. And then I also have a book where I write down um, what I ate yesterday, breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, my mood, how many hours I slept. I don't know, I write down everything. There's probably already a book that you can buy or an app, but I, I handwrite it all because when I'm handwriting it, I'm really thinking about it. It takes longer. So then I have to, sometimes I think, oh, this takes so long. But I think, no, it's good because I'm spending more time with myself doing this. If it was an app, it would be so fast. Anyway, that's just how I see it. So I do all of that. Um, and then I would just go to the beach, Freddie. I'd go in the water. Nice. I'd spend, I'd, I'd be on the sand for a little bit, probably bring a book with me. Um, and then I'd just be swimming. I'd spend most of the time in the water. And then, yeah, that's what that's what I do and that's what I love. But if I wanted to Perfect. spend the day with friends, then I'd probably do the same thing, but be on a boat and just jump in the water, still be in the water. Ocean-focused, ocean okay. Yes, definitely. Love it. And how can people find you online, Jasmine? How can, where can they find you? So with Nava, my Instagram, and Jasmine Navarro on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Some uh, amazing insights. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Freddie. Is it stopped?